Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. everybody welcome back to a new episode of the bad broadcast my name is maddie i'm also winded because i walked up a flight of stairs before recording i'm not at my apartment i normally record in my own studio at my apartment but i'm at my parents house which is fun um, when they go out of town, I come stay at their house with my special needs brother who lives here with them. I feel like if you followed me for a while, you know about him, but I know people will ask. So his name is Travis. He has a syndrome called rubenstein Taby syndrome, and he's the greatest person that's literally ever lived. We are all extremely obsessed with him. So it's fun to stay here for a few days when they're out of town and spend some time with him. So I hope you guys are all having a good day. I hope you had a good weekend, good week since the last time we talked. I feel like I have so much to tell you guys. I just, I feel like we have a lot to talk about. First of all, I am adding a new segment to the podcast because this is something that I struggle with. I never know quite how to start episodes. Like I never know what the intro should be because I always want to tell you guys some things and then I always want to complain about a few things and I never really know where they're going to fit in the episode. So I am adding at the beginning of every episode, I am going to do a segment and I'm calling it love hate. I'm going to tell you guys three things that I'm loving lately, or like three things from the past week that I'm loving and three things from the past week that I'm hating. This way I can tell you guys like if I've seen any good movies, any good podcasts, and we can complain about things that don't really have anything to do with the rest of the episode. So let's do our very first love hate segment. All right, number one on my list of things I loved from this past week was the conversation we had on my Instagram about who our sexual awakening was. <laughs> and I just feel like this deserves a a deep discussion on the podcast because it's too good to pass up. So first of all, I am currently in the middle of a mid to late 20s sexual awakening because I am deep into uh, Boy Meets World and Mr. Jonathan Turner. I mean, first of all, that's how you know you're aging when you rewatch shows from your childhood and you're in love with the adults. But I do feel like it would be even weirder to rewatch them and like the 16-year-olds on the show. So Mr. Jonathan Turner. I mean, wow. There is not a trope I love more than like a Dilfy English teacher who teaches you life lessons. You know, like Paul Rudd in Perks of Being a Wallflower or that beefy guy with the really deep voice from Easy A. You know, the one. 
Yeah. So Jonathan Turner is is currently my my midlife. I'm not even midway through my life. Gosh, I hope I'm not midway through my life. My mid-20s sexual awakening. But let's talk about the answers that you guys gave me on my Instagram this week. By far, the most popular answer was Peter Pan, the live action one. You know, he's got the highlights. He's like, kind of sexually ambiguous. That was answered hundreds of times. Next most popular, Orlando Bloom as Will Turner. I mean, where does Disney get off making Will Turner as hot as he was? Also, who has aged better than Orlando Bloom? He is still extremely hot. Uh, Legolas was answered a lot, another Orlando Bloom character. I didn't watch Lord of the Rings in my formative years. I didn't see Lord of the Rings until like 2019. So I I didn't watch it then, but I understand it. Um, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, of course, were answered a lot. I'm a Nick Carter gal myself. Um, I also think Brian is an underrated hottie. Never really was into NSYNC. I saw on TikTok, this has been going around, that somebody said that Justin Timberlake and Matthew Morrison, aka Will Schuster from Glee, that they're just the same person but different fonts. And I haven't been able to get that out of my head. It just, it makes me hate Justin Timberlake so much. Troy Bolton was also answered a lot. So, I remember when High School Musical came out. I think I was probably 11 or 12, and I found out that High School Musical was filmed in Utah. And I had myself convinced, not in like a funny way, in like a concerning way, that I would date Zac Efron. Like, I thought that I would run into him in Park City, and we would date. And I would get I would get like physically upset when I had friends tell me that they thought he was hot because I was like, I don't know what you're not getting here, but like, that's my boyfriend. Like, it's disrespectful that you think you're gonna, that you have a chance because like, we're already together. Um, Eric Von Denton was another one. Of course, Josh in uh, Princess Diaries. He's also Brink, love a soul skater. Benny the Jet Rodriguez from Sandlot. George of the Jungle, played by Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser did not did not age well. Uh, I'll just say that if you want to look him up. The Goblin King from the Labyrinth. I'd venture to say that was probably the first bulge any of us saw. Um, speaking of bulges, surprisingly answered a lot was Michael Phelps on the Olympic swim team. Wait, is it called a swim team when it's in the Olympics? I don't know. But that was also answered. Okay, Haley from Stick It. When she gets out of that bathtub, out of the ice, she's got her six pack and you're like, do I want to date you or do I want to be you? It was a confusing time. Uncle Jesse was answered a lot. Riley from National Treasure. Riley from National Treasure is so unnecessarily hot. Like they did not need to get that hot of a sidekick. Newsies. Oh, Newsies. A thirsty 10-year-old girl's dream. I mean, with every scene, we've got a young Christian Bale. We've got Spot Conlin. There's a lot of a lot of ground to cover in Newsies. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Duh the Titanic version, and also the Romeo and Juliet version. If you have not seen the Romeo and Juliet that he's in, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is directed by Baz Luhrmann, I believe, who did, oh my gosh, I almost said Monty Python, Moulin Rouge, and The Great Gatsby. So it's like super stylistic. And it is the coolest Romeo and Juliet version, I think. It's set in the 90s in LA, but the script is the original Shakespeare play. So I think it's cool. Um, A lot of you felt very sexually awakened by Bernard from the Santa Claus. And 
I have a really good therapist if you need if you need her number. Thackeray Binks from Hocus Pocus. I just cannot get behind the name Thackeray. I can't. I cannot say it. Catherine Zeta-Jones and Antonio Banderas from Zorro. A lot of Zorro answers, which was surprising. Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement. And then we had a lot of cartoon answers, which you know I am fully open to and not judging at all because we know how I feel about Daddy Shang. All right, let's get into the second thing on my list of things I loved from this past week. New Taylor Swift music, obviously. You know, Taylor Swift and I have had an up and down relationship because when I was like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, I was in love with her. I loved her so, so much. And then I think, well, I hope I'm not alone, that we went through a phase of thinking that she was kind of the worst and we started to pull away from her. But now in recent years, I've, you know, checked my internalized misogyny and I have completely fallen back in love with Taylor Swift, especially in the year 2020. I love folklore. I love Evermore. Yes, I'm convinced there's going to be another surprise album. I think it's a trilogy in case you were wondering my take on that. But Anyway, I'm I'm in love with her and I'm really excited about the new music. I love the the new song Mr. Perfectly Fine. And in case you guys missed it, so Mr. Perfectly Fine and a lot of the Fearless album is about Joe Jonas when, you know, Taylor Swift dated him. And so Sophie Turner, who is now married to Joe Jonas, posted the song Mr. Perfectly Fine. And I just thought it was funny. I li- I liked that she did that. And yeah, the Fearless album, I think the original came out when I was 14, maybe 15. No, I was 14. And I had my first kiss at 14, but I didn't kiss anybody else till I was like probably 19 or 20. And I was just, I was very friend zonable in high school. You can ask any of my friends. I was just, I set up a long-term residency in the friend zone. So I didn't have boyfriends, but I had a lot of fake boyfriends. I had a lot of boyfriends that didn't know they were my boyfriend. You know, a lot of those scenarios that I built up in my head. So even though I didn't have boyfriends or like boys that liked me in high school, I still had heartbreak because you know what we do. We like to invent situations and then break our own hearts. That's that's what you do as a 16-year-old girl. So I love the new albums. I love the re-records. I'm excited for the rest of them. I cried so hard listening to 15 are you kidding me when she says when all you wanted was to be wanted? Wish you could go back and tell yourself what you know now. I felt that. I felt that deep in my soul. I wish I could talk to 15-year-old Maddie and tell her, first of all, you got to put down the straightener because when you're in your mid-20s, you're going to get the worst haircut of your life and it's never going to grow back because you have destroyed your hair. Also, that guy, your first kiss, who you thought you were in love with, who broke your heart, yeah, in 12 years, he's going to marry somebody who's going to cyber bully you. So keep an eye out. (laughs) That's what I would let her know. (laughs) One of the meanest messages I ever got was from the person who married my first kiss. It's actually in, if you saw it on Instagram, I made some of my hate comments into like Pinterest quotes and hers is on there. It's It's just a great bonding moment. Really came full circle. Oh my gosh, guys, I almost forgot to talk about how Robbie Tripp talked about me on his Instagram story. Okay, so now that he talked about me on his Instagram story, I can just let this all out because here's the thing. Robbie Tripp blocked me. If you're not sure who he was, he's married to like a uh, an influencer and they both blocked me because I'll tell you why. Because I posted, or no, I didn't post. He posted his rap song, which 
it's a loose term that we can call it a rap song. Um, but he posted it and he said, let me know what you think. And I left a comment. And I said, this is bad. And I mean, he did ask what I thought. And so he blocked me. And one of you guys went on his Instagram and asked him, why did you block the bad broadcast? And he posted on his story. Oh my gosh, I got to find it and read it. Hold on. He said, I literally don't even know who slash what that is, but if I block them, it's probably because there's some little struggle podcast trying to get clout by chirping about the big dogs. That's usually the reason why I block these little podcast people. Oh, Robbie, are you flirting with me? Because you said you didn't know who slash what I was, but then somehow you knew I was a podcast. Chirping about the big dogs. Oh, that was the line that killed me. If I knew that my husband was going around referring to himself as a big dog, straight to jail. Straight to jail. All right, that was way too many seconds spent talking about Robbie Tripp. Let's talk about the third thing on my list that I am loving this week. I have been loving the podcast called Red Collar. It's a true crime anthology. It's about white collar crimes that end in murder. And it's by AudioCheck. And they do Crime Junkie. They do OC Swingers. They do Anatomy of Murder. They have a bunch of different ones. But I really like the host of Red Collar. And I love the music. The music is very, um, it sounds like Serial. If any of you guys listen to Serial, I feel like everybody did. It was like our gateway drug into true crime. I get asked a lot what podcasts I like. And I I really only listen to true crime. I I don't have a lot of like lighthearted ones that I listen to because I have a bit of a comparison problem. And so when I listen to them, I think they're way better than me and it makes me sad. So I I just separate myself from that to keep my confidence afloat. But I do love a lot of true crime podcasts and Red Collar is my latest, my latest venture. All right, those are the three things I'm loving. Sexual awakenings, Taylor Swift music, and true crime. Now, let's get into the things that I'm hating this week. Number one is ambassador programs. Let me tell you what an ambassador program is. So it's when a company reaches out to like an aspiring influencer or a micro influencer, and they say, would you like to be part of our ambassador program? And what that entails is that they will usually send you product in exchange for an ad or a post or whatever. And in theory, it sounds great because that's a perk. You know, you get free stuff. However, in the influencer realm, the way you make money and the way you make a living doing influencing is by charging for ads. And essentially, ambassador programs get away with not paying influencers for their work. Also, I just want to say, this is an observational complaint. This isn't currently happening to me. Like I'm not in the middle of some battle with a company who is doing an ambassador program. This is just what I have observed over the last year kind of being in this Instagram world and watching women take opportunities to be part of ambassador programs and kind of diminishing their value and what they bring to the table when a company chooses to work with them. And, you know, if it's a company you love and you want to be in it for the free product, that's another thing. If it's your preference, fine. But I just think that women in general, I think we have a hard time adequately valuing ourselves and charging what we deserve, whether you're a hairstylist, an artist, a musician, a clothing boutique owner, whatever. We just, we always undersell ourselves. And I'm just not liking that for us. I'm not liking the undervaluing. And I think that we should maybe do an episode like all about money because we just, we're not comfortable with it in the way that men are. We're not comfortable asking for raises or bonuses or any of that. And so I just, I wanted to put that on the table that if you are wanting to build your 
yourself as an influencer, if that's your line of work, and really whatever you do, don't undercharge. Don't take freebies as payment. You know, you should be being paid human dollars for your work. And I like to, you guys know this, I like to razz on influencers. I think it's a funny culture. It's a funny world. That doesn't mean it's not a real job. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be paid for what you do. You bring value to your industry and to your job, and you should be compensated for for such. All right, next on the list of things that I am hating this week. You guys, it's April, which means it's swimsuit try-on time, and things are not going well in my brain. I hate swimsuit season, and I'm trying to get better at it, and I am 27 years old. I'm 27 years old. I have never worn a bikini in my life. In my life. I think I wore one one day of my honeymoon for like 25 minutes, and I I have a goal this year to confidently wear a bikini because it's scary and I'm I'm having a lot of a lot of mental battles in a lot of dressing rooms but we're going to get there and I just wanted to complain about that <laughs> if you too are feeling the stress of swimsuit season just know you don't have to work out to to make it work you don't have to eat better your body is perfect exactly how it is we're going to get through this together we're going to just kind of plug our nose and and jump and we're going to we're going to end up in a bikini this summer and we're doing hot girl summer, also fun girl summer, snack girl summer, uh, chips and dip girl summer. We're doing all of the summers and we're going to be hot while we do it. Also, another interesting thing just kind of in regards to swimsuits was what happened with Khloe Kardashian this week. And a lot of people asked me what I thought about it. So I think we should just give it a little chat. So this week, Chloe had a picture be posted of her. I think it was her grandma that posted it of her, which is just like so classic grandma. And she was in a bikini. She was standing next to a pool and she looked amazing, but it was unretouched and unedited. So she had like some cellulite, but her stomach is ripped and her face was beautiful and she looked amazing. But her whole team spent the whole week getting this photo taken down from every place on the internet. And then she posted several videos and photos of her quote unquote unedited body. And she was saying like, this is what I really look like. Don't look at that photo. And I saw some things going around where people are like, is she a villain? Is she a victim? What's going on? And the answer is that she's both. She's both because I feel like the Kardashians have opportunity after opportunity to be a really powerful force for body positivity, body neutrality, self-love, self-acceptance, whatever you want to call it. I feel like they could make some serious strides with that. But they kind of go the opposite direction where they promote pretty unhealthy body image, like thoughts, extremely impossible body standards. And I I get it. I get why they do that because their entire life, they have been criticized from every angle about every inch of their body. And I don't know if I'm mentally tough enough to handle that. So I understand why Chloe would put a lot of effort into getting this photo taken down because I'm sure she knew the absolute whirlwind that was coming right at her, especially Chloe. You know, we all know in the media, she's always the fat sister. She's always like the butt of the joke. And I also understand the other side of it where people are like, why aren't you using this to do good? Why aren't you telling women that their, you know, their bodies are perfect even when they're unedited and unfiltered and all of that? So 
I am still kind of sorting out how I feel about it, but it's just, it's an interesting thing to look at. It's kind of the same thing I feel about a lot of influencers because since starting this, this podcast and doing the Instagram thing, I feel more mad at influencers, but I also feel more empathy for influencers because I'm mad at them for not like being more transparent, being more honest, being more real. But then I totally understand why they aren't. Because when you open up your life to criticism, it gets really nasty very quickly. So I understand both sides. And I think it's it's a good thing to talk about. And the bottom line of all of this swimsuit talk is that you look good in a bikini and so do I. I've never seen myself in one except in a Old Navy dressing room for about 40 seconds. But we will get there. We will get there, even if we're hating swimsuit try-ons right now. Number three on the list of things I have been hating this week. So we are coming up on the 10-year anniversary of Game of Thrones. And I don't know if I have ever fully expressed how in love I was with Game of Thrones. Matt and I spent like two years of our life obsessing over Game of Thrones. We always had people telling us to watch it and we never did. And then this must have been like 2018 when we totally fell in love with it. We binged it. We went to Ireland to participate in a fully immersive Game of Thrones tour. Not a joke. And it was magical. It was one of the best experiences of my entire life. And you know what I'm reminded of this week as we come up on the 10-year anniversary? It's that I hate the ending. It's that I have been I have been working through the fact that I hate the ending of Game of Thrones for the last year and a half. And I don't even know what to do with myself with the information of how it ended. And it disappoints me every day. And I always go in to rewatch Game of Thrones and I can't do it because I know what's coming. And I just... If you guys want me to go into detail, I will. But for all of my Game of Thrones people out there, yes, I was deeply, deeply disappointed with the ending. And I love it all up until the end of season six. The end of season six is perhaps some of the best TV in the history of ever. And season seven and eight, they just, they they let me down greatly. And that's what I hate this week. <laughs> but the good news is that we'll always have seasons one through six. We'll always have Battle of the Bastards to get us through the tough times. All right, let's get into our topic for the day. So today we are talking about parental lies. A lot of people thought I said prenatal lies, but they I said parental. So either lies that your parents told you or lies that you are in the middle of telling your children. And I want to start off by saying this is not to shame any parents who have ever lied to your kids. I have a whole gang of nieces and nephews. And in the time I spend with them, I lie at least eight times an hour. My nephew once asked me what snow globes were for. Have you ever thought of the purpose of a snow globe? Anyway, I had to lie. So this is not to shame. This is more to give you guys ideas of what you can also lie to your kids about. Also, parental dishonesty is like the origin of the Dum Dum Club. If you're new here or if you just need a refresher, the Dum Dum Club is a place where we discuss obvious things we didn't learn until adulthood. And I would say at least 80% of the submissions I get are because somebody's parents were trying to get them to do something. So they lied when they were a kid and they just never told them the truth later on. So let's get into these answers first up. 
You can't drive with the AC on and the windows down or your car will malfunction. I am pretty sure that A, I was taught this and B, I still believe this until I read this submission. You want to know why? Because if you're like me, you have truly never questioned anything that anyone has ever said about a car. You could tell me I should fill a pipe up with easy cheese and I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like my independence is at an all time low when my car makes a weird noise. Like I just hand over the keys to Matt or my dad and I'm like, all right, take, take care of it. I'm incapable. I am just a poor, lowly damsel in distress and I need your help. So there were a lot of car submissions because I, I think a lot of us have that in common. <laughs> Next up, my dad told me that the snowmaker machines when you're skiing are made to cover you if you fall. I was terrified of falling and getting buried with snow, so I never fell, and that's how I learned to ski. All right, I will say, while I'm not here to shame any parenting techniques, there is quite a jump between what your parents' generation lied to you about and what our generation lies to their kids about. Every single one of the submissions about what your parents lied to you about somehow revolves around death. Like it somehow will end up in you being killed. Somebody said that their dad taught them that poking somebody in the belly button will kill you. Like what? Why? I, I Like people wonder why millennials are all in therapy. All right. Next. My parents told me that the crust of the bread had more vitamins in it. So I had to eat it again. Great life hack. Great life hack to tell your kids. Also, so then you don't have to cut the crusts off. How do I get my husband to start eating crusts? Matt does not like eating. He calls them the handles of food. He doesn't eat like pizza crust or sandwich crust because he's like, that's that's my food handle. So how do I get this lie to Matt in a believable way? All right, next one. I told my kids that salmon was Russian chicken so they would eat it. You do what you gotta do. All right, this isn't necessarily a lie, but I think it's worth mentioning. I found out about sex and Santa Claus in the same night. It honestly still ranks top five worst nights of my life. This definitely created some conflicting feelings towards Christmas in my young brain. I don't know what conversation came about that you needed both the sex talk and the Santa Claus talk in one night, but regardless, I'm sorry you had two two potentially wonderful things. Very, very ruined. All right. My parents made me believe that it was illegal to watch a PG-13 movie before you were 13. I watched Pirates of the Caribbean at a sleepover when I was 11 and I thought I was breaking the law. In the same vein, I also thought that ripping the tag off of your mattress, like, you know, it says like punishable by law if you remove this tag. I thought I was going to prison. I ripped that off of my mattress and I remember going into my mom bawling and being like, I can't believe they're going to take me away. I can't believe this is this is where we say goodbye. All right. I tell my three-year-old that Coco Melon is broken and Netflix has to fix it before we can watch it again. Someone sent me an amazing life hack for all of you moms who do these things. You can go into your Netflix settings and hide certain titles so that when you search them, they really won't come up. Like if your kids are old enough to know that you're not searching for it, you can actually hide it in your Netflix settings. So Next, my mom always told me that if I watched the food cook in the microwave, I would go blind. See, I'm telling you, the older generation, all of their lies are so violent. They all end in such ominous ways. 
All right, not super proud of this one, but we tell our three-year-old that Santa and the Easter Bunny watch her through her baby monitor during her nap time to make sure she's going to sleep and not playing. Kind of creepy, but it works. (laughs) This is, well, it's genius, first of all, and it's not like we don't sing, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake every single Christmas. Like, the trauma's already going to be there. You might as well use it to your advantage. Um, My mom told my brother that he would get arrested if he talked in the car. (laughs) I wish... I wish I could arrest people who talk to me in the car. I I don't know why that is not an option on rideshare apps yet to select like, please don't talk to me. Please don't ask me what I've got going on for the day. Please don't ask me if I'm new here or what I'm doing in town. I'm going to add this to my rideshare app. If you listen a few episodes back, you know, I have a dream to start an all-female rideshare app called Boober. And this is the first feature going on the app. I personally tip extra when people don't talk to me. Like when I get my nails done and they just don't say anything to me. Oh, I raise that tip at least 8%. All right. I told my kids that sleep is essential to survival, which is true. I just may have exaggerated how fast no sleep would actually kill you. (laughs) Judge me. I was exhausted. I am baffled every single time a parent talks about how much sleep they get. What? You guys are not sleeping enough. I know it's not really your choice, but when I talk to people and they're like, no, I slept a lot. My baby slept from midnight to 2.30 and then again from 3 to 3.15. I'm so rested. Excuse me? If I ever get to throw a party, which trust me, it's in the works. I want to throw a party. I'm setting up bunk beds in the back room for all of you who have little kids because you deserve a back tickle and 30 milligrams of melatonin. All right. My dad told us that there was a troll that lived in the blockbuster movie return box and that at night the troll would run the movies back to the store. Little did he know, we started shoving some of our lunch into the return box so the troll wouldn't go hungry. I wonder what those employees thought when they saw pizza and breadsticks at the bottom. You know, your heart was in the right place. I bet the blockbuster employees thought that they were getting pranked. They were probably like, who is bullying us? Why are they shoving food in here? And it was just little kids trying to take care of their troll friend. All right. I have a four-year-old and she had a terrible habit of picking her nose constantly. It was just a comfort thing for her at some point. I told her that if she kept picking her nose, her fingers would turn green. She didn't stop. So one night I put green food coloring on her fingers as she slept. When she woke up in the morning, she was mortified. The nose picking is not an issue anymore. I think this is a perfect example of a parental lie because is she going to be traumatized? No. I mean, not in a way that will affect, you know, her ability to accept love as a teenager, but it did teach her a valuable lesson. Somebody told me that sinning will make you uglier, like physically. So anytime I got a pimple or dry skin, or if I was bloated, I thought it was because God was punishing me for sinning in some way. You know, I don't think I was ever told this directly, But I know I have heard a lot of people make comments that allude to this being true. Like, oh, did you see her? Did you see her? She's not looking so great. She might be playing with the devil's lettuce, if you know what I mean. Okay, this isn't my parents, but it was a family friend. On Christmas Eve, their parents gave them a special drink and only on Christmas Eve. Turns out it had Benadryl in it to make all kids sleepy, so or all the kids sleepy, so they would go to bed early and wake up later on Christmas morning. Again, life hack. Also, Like, I feel like why not give your kids that every single night? Is that bad? I'm sure there's somebody who will correct me. But like, I feel like when I'm a parent, I'll just give them Benadryl every night. 
right? I mean, maybe not Benadryl, but like melatonin for sure. I'm telling you, the two things holding us back from having kids are one, well, first, how do we afford it? And two, how do I break up with my sleep schedule? How does one do that? All right. My husband's dad told him that women don't poop until they get married. When we first got married, he seriously asked me, have you had your first poop yet? I need a moment. I need a moment of silence for this one. I was dumbfounded. How did he live 25 years without confirming this? He didn't grow up with sisters, is never around babies, and I guess you don't talk about pooping with your partners until you're married? We have since had a little biology lesson, and he feels like the complete idiot he was when he asked me about my first poop. How would that even work? How would that even work? Like, we get a ring on our finger, and our rectum's like, whoop, ready to go. All right. Uh, This is also my application to the Dum Dum Club. See, I'm telling you, this is their origin story. My parents told me if I swallowed gum, it would wrap around my heart and I'd die. Never swallowed gum until college by accident. And then I honestly thought through the whole digestive path in my mind and realized, well, I guess that's not true. Okay, swallowing gum. I, I have never met anybody who was not told a lie about swallowing gum. Either it'll, you know, block up your stomach. It'll take seven years to digest. I spent a lot of time being extremely worried about my chewed gum, either like falling asleep with it and it ending up in my hair or it not digesting properly and it killing me somehow. It was like quicksand. It was one of those things that like you really, really, really worried about as a kid. And now that you're in your mid twenties, you're like, well, that doesn't seem to be a problem the way that I I thought it would be. Here's one that was one of the most submitted ones. And so I feel like we should talk about it because it will probably make everybody feel less alone. A lot of people were taught as kids and still continue this lie to their kids that the ice cream truck only plays music when it's out of ice cream. But I have something that I need to add to this. I don't think I've ever seen an ice cream truck just driving around a neighborhood. Like in my whole life, I've seen them at little kids baseball games or birthday parties or whatever. I've never just been walking down the street and seen an ice cream truck. I would, I would really like to, if, if that's an option, if you guys know like an area that they like to hang out, maybe there's an ice cream truck roundup somewhere. I would like to participate in that. I feel like I'm missing out on a very core piece of life. All right. My fiance's parents told him when he was a kid that hockey games were only one period long so that he would go to bed early. And also if they ever went to NHL games, they could leave way before the end and not end up in traffic. I am a full supporter of leaving events early. I could leave anything early. I leave probably 50% of movies that I go see early. So will I be carrying on this lie to my future children? Yes, I can guarantee that I will. Oh, I love this one. She says that They tell their kids that the TV gets tired and needs to sleep at night. Why did I believe this when I read it? I made a TikTok a few weeks ago about feeling bad for inanimate objects. And it was like my most viewed, most liked video of all time. Because we all do this, I think, in one way or another. Like, I feel bad if only one noodle gets left in the bowl. Or like, I feel bad if I have to pair two socks together that have never met. You guys know what I mean. I can't guarantee that making your children feel feelings for inanimate objects is is a great thing to do. But I mean, I still do it and I turned out relatively okay. Ooh, another one that belongs on the parenting cheat sheet. Telling your kids that the tooth fairy had a full schedule the night before and that's why they did not get any money under their pillow. 
also turns out like a lot of you guys steal your kids money out of their piggy banks and use that for the money for the tooth fairy you dirty dogs a lot of us were taught that popping our knuckles will give us arthritis where where did our parents come up with all of these like was science just a slight suggestion rather than facts I mean, I say that like we don't all know somebody personally who still takes science as just a light suggestion. I'm saying that like that still doesn't happen every single day here. Like we all know a person who still isn't quite sure of science. They're like, yeah, that's what doctors are saying. But I read on Facebook that if you do two drops of lavender and one drop of MAGA, you don't need the vaccine. Oh, that was spicy. That was spicier than I normally go. Another one that I'm about to get very spicy about. My mom told me for years that guys weren't really into curves. They didn't like butts, hips, or big boobs. Holy, the lot, one lie after another. So I would want to be super skinny. It was her way of incentivizing me to lose weight. Luckily, my dating years have taught me that men do love my curves. I would bet that no matter what your body looks like, if you're curvy, you're not curvy, you're tall, you're short, you're square, you're triangle, whatever your body looks like, at some point in your life, you have been told men don't like blank. And it's usually a quality that you have. Men don't like small boobs. Men don't like big boobs. Men don't like tall girls. Men don't like short girls. Everybody has been told that. And that's a tough one to get over. That's a tough one to get over. To be told over and over again by every single thing in your life, your the books you're reading, the movies you see, the friends you have, the people you talk to, to have every single person telling you that the greatest thing you can achieve in life is being desired by men. And all I have to say to that is who put their taste in charge? Like who decided that that was who we were going to listen to? I don't even trust men's taste in wrapping paper. Why would I ever trust their taste in people? Why are we letting some white dude named Caleb who wears lace-up vans determine if we're hot or not? All I'm saying is that when a girl compliments my outfit, it feels a lot different than when a dude compliments my outfit. So yeah, you are desirable, of course, but it's also not the most important thing and it's not like the greatest treasure of life to be seen as desirable. If you haven't caught on yet, I'm really, really good at gassing you guys up and seeing how beautiful and amazing and sexy you all are, but we struggle on the self-talk front. It's like acne. It's like when you have a really bad zit, you think that everybody is looking at it and everybody is noticing it and it's all you're thinking about. But then if one of your friends has a zit, you're like, I literally have never noticed that. So when people come to me with body image stuff, I'm like, you are worthy. You are beautiful exactly how you are. Your body does amazing things. I'm so proud of it for you and you should never be ashamed of it. But then I try to say those things to myself and it's not so easy. It's so weird. It's so weird. I will see TikToks and Instagrams and thirst traps all over. And genuinely, every single one of the women I see are incredible, beautiful, amazing chef's kiss. And I'll try and hype myself up in the same way. And it's like a wrinkly dollar bill going into a vending machine. It's like almost there. Nope, not accepting this. Oh, this time? Nope, still can't do it. So that's our challenge. For, should I leave you guys with a challenge this week? Positive self-talk. Write it on your mirror. Write it on your forehead. Write it on your boyfriend's t-shirt. I don't know. It's hard to get there, but I have found the times that I can do it. It really, really does help. And if you need a compliment, you know I'm here for you. I live to tell you guys how cool you are. I like to laugh and I like to complain and I like to make sure 
that this is always a place for that. But I more than anything hope that you listen to the podcast and know that we're all exactly the same and that we are all best friends, whether that's through the interwebs or in real life. So, oh, swift subject change really quick. So there are some changes a Bruin with the podcast and they're all amazing. But the one that I need to let you guys know is that April will be the last month of Patreon. Um, this is for a lot of reasons, but mainly because I want to do bonus episodes that are free. And I'm so unbelievably grateful to everybody who signed up for Patreon for these last few months. It was a major game changer. But yeah, there's there's some new things coming. So if you paid for the month of April, you're you're all good. You won't be charged again. And then I'm going to do bonus episodes in the future. They won't be scheduled out like the Patreon ones. It's not going to be like two bonus episodes a month. But when I do a bonus episode, it will just go on the regular feed now. And I'm not going to do the Patreon episodes on the regular feed because people paid for those. So those are still like exclusive content. But just from May forward, they will be on the regular feed. So I think that's everything. That's all the 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 businessy things I actually had to tell you guys. But Thanks for being here. I love you so much. Be safe, be kind, be hot. Of course, you know the drill. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. (laughs) 